This is the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. I'm your host, Ben Powers. On this podcast, you'll hear from business owners, entrepreneurs, and community influencers who all play a role in moving Lafayette Parish and South Louisiana forward. Today we have a great episode, like I said, for the podcast, and I'm excited about it because we have Erica Fox, who is a entrepreneur, she's an R&B singer, and she's a founder of the Mason Freetown uh, African American Museum. All right, Erica, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so amazing to be here, first of all, because I've been a fan of this show for quite some time. I think I remember your very first episode uh, La Pizzeria, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> See, I've been following you, and you guys have doing a great job. And so thank you so much for having me. I feel honored to be here. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you. Um, for those who um, obviously may not know you or know of you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself in a short form. <laughs> uh, I guess a, a, your elevator, elevator pitch, I guess, about you. You know, as you get older, it's hard to do that. <laughs> I feel like, how far back do you go? <laughs> um, but long story short, I am a native of Lafayette. I grew up here on the north side. Um, go north side. Um, always sang, very creative kid. I uh, love music. Uh, would sing in church, sing at school. Um, and I followed my passions to Los Angeles where I got my degree as a financial analyst, but also secured three record deals while out there. So had been singing and living a corporate life at the same time. Um, and then shortly, probably wasn't short, but 14 years later, my father uh had dementia and decided to move back home and so had been back in Lafayette ever since helping with family and pursuing music and some other entrepreneurial uh journeys uh, here in Lafayette wow <laughs> was that short enough that was you? look that was definitely <laughs> short enough um but also leads a lot to uh talk about so you're from the area correct, yes, correct. okay and you went to Los Angeles mm -hmm. to pursue your career. Uh, obviously, a lot of young people, you know, they see Los Angeles as like the golden ticket kind of place. Mm -hmm. And especially back in the um, 90s era, I mean, that was the place to go. And I mean, most of us uh, our age are 90s kids, yep. uh, you know, especially the music genre. Um, it's interesting that you got your degree in a financial sector, but started with got into music like how did how did that happen um well I always go back to looking at what I did as a kid yeah I think singing what in church your and child all that. does really nurture that because it's very indicative of kind of where their passions lie and as a child it was always music either listening to records Yes, I'm dating myself um, <laughs> with my dad or playing financial advisor as a kid or teacher. Those were the th three things that I did. Wow. I was also a gymnast. I loved doing um, flips <laughs> and entertaining people. And throughout my life, I've kind of carried those three or four um, major themes. So it wasn't a far fetch for me to get my degree in economics because it's something that I, I like to do as a kid. Wow. Yeah, I used to pretend I was a banker. I don't know. It was just interesting. So, you, okay. So <laughs> the financial situation, that's funny. Um, but music, like I, I've spoken to you many times over the past year, especially with, uh, make sure I, I, I pronounce it right. Attackapaw. Attackapaw Collective. Okay. Attackapaw Collective. Uh, writing about that and uh, letting people know about that business. Um, but I had no clue in the whole exchange of information and, writing about things that you are part of that you are a singer like and then um you sent me an article from the Acadiana Lifestyle magazine and it stated that you were nominated or are nominated for a Grammy like there's different levels of nominations so I was in the first round which are considerations which the board and other members of the Recording Academy submits uh, music that they, uh, you know, think are noteworthy. And so I was 
pitched in that first round. And it was very important to me because one, I had been doing music probably for the last 30 years. Um, so to get recognized by the Recording Academy was a big deal for me, especially in R&B, because where I'm from, you know, it's all about Cajun, Creole music, uh, even jazz here. But as an R&B singer, I, that's why I felt I had to go away because there was more of a niche for that type of music in California and New York. So to be recognized in a genre that's not necessarily Louisiana-esque meant a lot to me. So yeah, yeah, I've been singing a long time uh, since probably three or four would write songs. And I, I think we talked about off camera, all the gadgets that you have here are really exciting to me because I used to basically overdub myself and record myself. I love doing studio work and I used to do that as a kid. So yeah. for me, it's all about following my childhood passions. I'm a kid at heart. And so I guess I just never grew up in a sense. That's awesome. Look, and you and I, obviously I growing up, I loved, um, this type of situation, you know, and it's funny. I, I think I was like maybe 14 years old. I got my, <clears throat> I got our first computer. Our, our family got our first computer when I was 13 and probably around 13, 14 years old. I remember going on, uh, it was probably Microsoft word <laughs> where I can make a logo and I actually made a radio station logo really? and I had this very cheap little uh, desktop microphone. And I thought that I would, and I actually found a program that you can live stream audio on the internet, even at 14 years old. Really? This was back in the early 2000s. Like I think at 2000, cause I was 13 in 1999. So 22 yeah. plus years ago. So I wanted to stream a radio station and I called it and I remember the name of it. It was P-A-C-E, Pace. I don't know why pace. I just something about keeping the pace. I don't know. But uh, I designed a radio station logo and I never thought that that would ultimately lead up to me having not necessarily a radio station, but in a sense, you do. I'm broadcasting. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. this 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 excites me. I love doing this. This is kind of like a little sidekick to doing the developing Lafayette and then. Uh, I guess I've always been interested in publications. So it's interesting to think about what you said of what you do as a kid or what your interests are will ultimately lead up to what you do as an adult. And it's weird to think about that because I, I look back and I'm like, wow, there are some things that I'm doing back then that I'm, I feel like I'm doing now, but just in a different capacity. Exactly. It definitely influences. Yeah. I think, I think uh, what you do as an adult that's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I have so much respect for what you do. And I know we're here for. Yeah, uh, yeah we're here for you. <laughs> but I have to give you your flowers as well, because I know it's not uh, not easy to do this um, and to create uh, content on a weekly basis, sometimes having guests two and three at a, a day. That's not easy. And I, I'll tell you, working at K-Bon really showed me because I, I had a show as well. Oh, yeah. And I was the producer, the on-air personality in, in charge of getting the talent. It was not something that <laughs> I knew how hard it would be until I got into it. So I respect what you do. I do appreciate Long story that. Short, yeah, I you do rock. appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's turn the steering wheel back to uh, what you guys have going on. So, um, tell me how once you got back to Louisiana, you know, obviously you're outside of Los Angeles now, and are you keeping your your singing career going? Or uh, I know because you started making jewelry uh, in in the pandemic. Like, Hannah, tell me, how did that happen? Like, coming back, you said your your father, right? Mm -hmm. You know, got dementia. dementia. And then you get back here. Like, what happens to your music career versus starting making jewelry? Like, what? how did all that kind of transpire? And, like, you had to have decided, like, what's a career path moving forward? Like, you, you had to think about things. Yeah. Well, I will say, so after graduating college I had stayed and and kept pursuing music in LA and and had planned to stay there um but shortly after my father got dementia and my mom was still working a full-time job so I knew that she needed help with him so the plan was just to come back for a little while and help out until she retired because she was going to be retiring probably in the next year or so and so the plan was just to come temporarily and you know provide support as a assistant caregiver. Um, but with dementia, Alzheimer's, unfortunately, 
uh, the individuals decline instead of get better. And so it didn't look like I was going back to California. And even I remember my husband asking, hey, uh, are you coming back? Because I just came by myself, leaving my husband at the time. I was still married. Um, and I, I had a two-year-old daughter who I took with me. So he's like, uh, you bringing my child back? <laughs> so y'all didn't, y'all didn't get separated didn't or anything separated, like that. But his job, you know, he wasn't going to leave because it was a good job. And plus, like I said, the plan was just to help temporarily, but it didn't work out that way. So had to kind of maneuver a whole family to, and convince him to come <laughs> to Louisiana. So he did, so he did end up coming back. Got, yeah. He, he came back and that's kind of how we both ended up. But, yeah, it, it, it took a lot of <laughs> convincing because he's a big city guy. He's from Philadelphia, so he likes the big city. And Lafayette's so not the, the biggest city. Not really. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, as a singer, you can write and produce music kind of from anywhere. So I was still singing, still doing some local performances, still sending tracks over for voiceover work that I was doing in California. So I didn't find that my music suffered so much because technology started to really kind of rock and roll and, and, and you can be anywhere really to yeah. pursue your music. So it didn't suffer. Um, but having come back I was like wow this reminds me of my college campus multiculturalism and diversity was huge on campus we had one of the first black presidents on campus at Occidental College Barack Obama actually went to school there Jim Moore a lot of people of, of prominence they used to shoot movies all the time there um, but in California it's so diverse and it reminded me a lot about how it was here, you know, the diversity, the gumbo pot, you know, that people always say there's a lot of uh, different cultures here. And so coming back home, I started to kind of notice just the uniqueness of home. You kind of take it for granted when you're little, you know, and especially wanting to be a singer. I was like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm leaving here. But I tell you, moving away gives you a lot of perspective. And I started to really respect and love where I was from and coming back and taking care of my dad and going to the grocery store and people asking about how's your mom and them. It just reminded me how beautiful this place is. And so I started to really like love Louisiana again, fall in love with it again, having been away. Um, and so I, I started to get out in my community a lot, started working with some of the local organizations, helping with their farmers markets when I could get away, you know, from helping with my dad, uh, pop ups and things like that. And I started to meet other interesting people and unique folks. And then COVID, COVID happened. And then all that kind of, you know, retracted and we were all in the house I guess, doing what we do in our house. Um, and for me, when I was home, I started like making jewelry and just things to stay busy because I wasn't singing. There wasn't a lot of local gigs to, to participate in. That's when I had started the radio show, which helped at least our local musicians because it was a Louisiana musician spotlight show. Uh, it allowed them to stay relevant because they were losing gigs as well. So they would come on the show and, and perform live on the show. And that was a lot of fun. But even that became kind of dangerous because people were starting to contract COVID or get exposed to it. So it became difficult. So after about a year and a half, we cut the show and, and stopped producing that show. And then again, at home, making jewelry, doing creative crafts, teaching, well, working with my kids because kids were out of school too. So just COVID had a lot to do with uh, the creative path that birthed Attack Apart Collective. All right. All right. So already, I know. no, I, I love it. There's, there's, there's several different things in there that uh, made me want to like, do the Louisiana thing and interrupt and like yeah. have a conversation. But I was Sorry. like, okay, no, 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 no. I wanted you to keep going. So um, I want to touch on one of the earlier parts you just said that giving perspective uh, once you lived in a city like Los Angeles and coming back to Louisiana and you have a, a newfound respect for Louisiana and you mentioned diversity and I I want to I want to talk about that a little bit more because I feel like a lot of people that live here that are born and raised here may feel that Louisiana is not diverse or Lafayette's not diverse that they got to go to a bigger city like Los Angeles or Houston or stuff like that which 
in in a sense, in the restaurant industry is more diverse there. Now, Louisiana, we're not so diverse because, in a sense, that there's there's two specific genres of food here. There's Creole and there's Cajun. If you deviate too much from that, you're like, okay, it's a little too different for me. So, like, that's why you don't see too many, like, eclectic a- Asian restaurants. But um, we have a, a few. But, uh, you know, Cre- Cajun Creole, that, that reigns supreme here. Right. And so, uh, speaking of someone, of a person of color, which is something I want to get your perspective is like what would you say to someone who feels like louisiana is not diversified i mean maybe that's their own opinion but like in your perspective how is it diverse compared to somewhere like los angeles Mm -hmm. for example i think it's more prominent and if you will in your face in la the the different levels of diversity but we have that here as well but you have to go look for it you have to immerse yourself in various cultures get to know people that are different from you or look different than you or have a different cultural background it's there so i, I, I that's why i say we are very culturally diverse but we're not always seeking those opportunities out Okay. Um, but it's here. And so that's why Attackapaw is here as well, because we put it all on display in one stop shop and make yeah. it easy for you to find that culture that's it's here. That's here. Why do you think in Los Angeles it's m- more in your face than here? Like what it, what's more in your face? Like, like I think it's the size. There's just so many people you can't. It's hard you know, to get you're going to bump it. elbows yeah. with someone like my in 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 just living in my dorm. I was exposed to Asian cultures. My roommate was Vietnamese and my next one was actually from uh, Arab. She was Arabic. Um, they were from Kuwait. And so I learned about her not only cultural, but her religious practices. So you're kind of forced to engage with someone culturally, religiously different from you. I grew up Catholic, so, you know, a lot of what she practiced was so different, but amazing and mind-opening, and I love that. I even worked at our cultural center on campus. That was one of my many jobs, Um, and I I just, I would seek that out. I would try to immerse myself in learning about other people, and as a singer— when you do events and perform different places, especially weddings, you see that, you know, culture, hopefully sometimes as well, because you're interacting with people singing, dancing and stuff like that. Music has that beauty of, and maybe that's why I felt so comfortable because I've always sung. So I felt comfortable in my skin to go out and seek those opportunities. Um, But I I feel like it's a disservice if you don't (laughs) go learn about other people. Okay, so it's just the sheer size of the city. I think it was that, yeah, yeah, you're you're bumping elbows with people all the time that are different from you. Mm -hmm. And Lafayette being relatively small. small. And we kind of, you know, uh, we're very familial, so we do things that's comfortable sometimes and stay with our family cliques and whatnot. So, but they're there. You know, you just got to go look for it. So this... This I feel like I feel like I want to expand a little bit more and mm-hmm. you can let me know if this is like not uh, like uncharted territory, but going on to the, the vein of diversity compared to a city like Los Angeles and Lafayette, the how would you rate the 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 racist, I, I guess, uh, demographic as far as like compared to Los Angeles and here like. Are there racist people in Los Angeles? I'm assuming there are. But like, like when people say Louisiana is racist, is it just because they are? Oh, you're trying to have that conversation. I'm not trying to go too deep. I'm not trying to go too too deep. But I feel like uh, there's something that you know. And look, I'm a white guy. It is what it is. Like I don't know if you you can't tell, but I I feel like. I get along with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't feel personally, I don't feel like I am racist, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, we all have implicit biases and exactly. prejudice in us, no matter what color you are. Um, I guess I don't know if I feel like Louisiana is as racist as people on the outside of Louisiana mm-hmm. feel that we are. 
I feel like mm. people here, the majority, from what I can tell, are pretty pretty open with everybody. But you know, maybe the government has some different kind of pull. Maybe there's something there. Um, what's your What's your thoughts on that? Like, because I feel like, for example, I looked up statistics of Portland, Oregon, and apparently, and I don't. I've never lived in Portland, Oregon. I just I read an, an, a news article and it was a legitimate news article it was like a news paper in portland oregon and they were stating that portland has more white people that live there than black people but people around the country perceive that portland oregon is a diverse city and it it, i'm pretty sure there are tons of people that live there but comparatively there is more white people living in portland than there are black people and i feel like Louisiana has a pretty good mix. I went to a public school, and we were mixed. I'm talking about where'd you go? Uh, Bayou High School, mm-hmm. like near Ville Platte. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I don't want to say fifty fifty, but I feel like it was probably fifty fifty white black and maybe one maybe one Asian guy. <laughs> it was very rare to have like any mix in that. Uh-huh. But and, and we all got along. I mean, were there were there fights naturally between kids? It, yeah, isn't it? And some of it, there, there, I knew some racist people. I knew some kids who were bad racist. Mm-hmm. Like it was obvious in their tone and the what they the words they used. Um, and some of my family members, my great parent, like grandparents and all that stuff, they were obviously racist. Mm-hmm. Like there were some things that they said that I could, I mm-hmm. just can't even repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but being, I guess, a, a kid of the the, I, I, I was born in '86, grew up in the '90s, and you know, my teenage years was the year 2000s. I feel like I was, I, I was at a point when in my generation where I felt like I don't feel like I'm racist. Like I, I don't use, I don't use racist racial slurs. I don't think about black people or Asian people or anybody is as inferior. I feel like in, if anything, I feel like some of those groups have more to offer than I do. Like there's like Asians are smart. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. Like I, I am, I'm still dumbfounded sometimes of like some of the capabilities that they have. And I'm like, what's different. It's not our skin color. That's different. It's the culture. That's different. The, the culture of learning mm-hmm. and all that good Discipline. stuff. Yeah. We have a culture of food here. So we may have great food. We're known for great food in this area. Right. And I don't think it's because of specifically color, but the culture itself. So I don't want to ramble on too much, mm-hmm. but like, what are your thoughts on that in comparatively to other cities compared to Lafayette and all that good stuff? Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's a good question. I, this is personal. Um, I think it has to do with historical context and perspective. Okay. Um, you mentioned Oregon and there was a time when blacks weren't allowed to live in Oregon. They had a strict code historically that African-Americans could not live in that state. Um, so it, that could be part of the reason why there's a smaller amount of African-Americans living there, because just historically there was a time we weren't allowed to be there. Um, and then again, context, you live in a time that a lot of, uh, some of our challenges and setbacks that say our mom and dad and grandparents experienced are completely different from our reality now. So we, I, I want to say in a sense, we don't have those same hangups maybe that some of them were taught to, to have. Yeah. Cause I think a, a lot of that racism superiority, that's a, a taught thing. Cause babies, they don't see that when they're in the daycare playing with one another, they're not looking at color or they just playing and they're being kids and they're innocent. But I think over time we learn to have those types of biases. And I'm glad that now we have, a, we live in a time when we're kind of trying to peel away some of that and, and shed new lights and new perspectives and being open to have dialogue just like this. You know, you shared about family members that you may not share some of their ideologies, but you still family, you still love them. Yeah. And, and you use that as a, a learning tool and a, a educational tool. So I would say perspective history has a lot to do with it. And, and that kind of leads into why we're working together to build Maison Freetown, uh, which is hopefully going to be Lafayette's first African-American history museum and cultural uh, space that tells a more 
diverse and a more total, all-encompassing look at at Lafayette and Louisiana in general, because it's not just black history, it's American history. Um, So some of the people that helped contribute to that neighborhood and the outside neighborhoods helped build UL, helped build the city, worked in the government for Lafayette. So like we're all connected. And I think that place and that space, it's overall general mission is to show how much we're more alike than we are different. Wow. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I feel like we, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know, you know, you can always say, oh, the media keeps us divided. And, and there's there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Um, because anytime there's a, a shooting, I mean, look, Chicago yeah. has some of the worst crime and especially black on black crime. I mean, you don't really report on that because it's not newsworthy. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's going to be a hot button or a mm-hmm. hot take. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people, it, crime is crime is all over the place. It, yeah. And it's not, it, you can look at it by, you know, race if you want, but it's, we're, 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 we're loving each other equally and we're killing each other equally. It's kind of weird. Um, yeah. But I don't want to harp on that too much. Um, but I love what you said. And, um, with Mason Freetown, you guys are going to be showing off the the parts of Lafayette culture and everything that, uh, you know, may have been forgotten about or exactly or, or unknown or unknown. A yeah. lot of hidden history. Um, I would say, and and to quote a friend, they said if we ever had like a, a, a Tulsa or a, a, a Black Wall Street, if you will, in Lafayette, it was in Freetown because some of the contributions of African Americans, some being ex-slaves. I mean, imagine coming off of, you know, being a it was sugarcane in that area, you know picking sugarcane and, and, and then becoming free. Um, how do you learn to be free when you've been an asset and been owned by someone else your entire life? But these same people kind of pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and became entrepreneurs, if you will. So in a sense at Tacopal collective is kind of like the legacy of some of those people, because we had doctors come out of Freetown and the surrounding neighborhoods. We had pharmacists, we had jazz. People don't know that Freetown was a hot, a uh, bed for jazz music. Jeez, I wish that jazz was more prevalent in Lafayette. Well, I love it jazz. It was at one time. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we, we plan to bring some of that to uh, okay. back. Um, everything at Maison Freetown will kind of touch some of the history that was there from the food to the music uh, to the people's stories. We're going to plant some sugar cane just as a remembrance because that land was originally a part of the backside of the sugar cane plantation that was here in Lafayette owned by Mouton family. Um, As well, we plan to really encourage African-Americans to showcase their art and their creative works um, and give an opportunity where probably some of them felt unwelcome in some of the other gallery spaces or maybe just didn't feel like they had a, a resume that would support, uh, you know, being at some other bigger museum. We want to showcase their work because there's a lot of really up and coming, amazing creatives in town that we want to give an opportunity to showcase. Yeah. Okay, so the name Atacapaw Collective, mm-hmm. um, Atacapaw is a Native American-derived uh, name, correct? Correct, and it is it is Lafayette. Before Vermilion, Lafayette was called Vermilionville. Yep. Before Vermilionville, it was Atacapaw, Atacapaw County. That was the name of the land that we How now How far back stand. was that? I wish I, I was there to, to see it, you know, um, and a lot of people feel like the Atacapaw has died off, that it was an, you know, an older indigenous indigenous nation that no longer exists. But the Atacapaw are still alive and well, it's alive in me. It's alive in several of our artisans in the shop. So we use the name as a way to not forget that part of Louisiana heritage, Lafayette heritage specifically, because yeah. we are on that native land, uh, the original people of this area. Um, as well, most of our artisans in the shop are either black, indigenous, people of color. We have some second act seniors, we call them, retired folk who worked but always had a passion for quilting or making things, but, you know, always had a nine to five that they had to do. But now that yeah. they're retired, they can pursue their passions. So we, we like to think that um, we are a place to give a loving space that gives opportunities to uh, underrepresented communities. Okay. 
um, Louisiana not only has a tacopal, but don't they have um, or had, there should still be a population of Cherokee. Is that correct? So Cher- there, there is a small percentage. What of is the most Cherokee? dominant uh, Native American? That uh, is a good question, and I don't know the answer of that. But I will say that there are only a few that are federally recognized in Louisiana. Um, I believe it's the Chittimacha and Cushata, okay, yeah, yeah. um, and probably an, one other band um, that's escaping me right now. But for Atacapaw, even the Homa Indians that you know are very active, uh, French-speaking indigenous tribe, and some of the Bulbancha group out of New Orleans. And there are a few others that aren't federally recognized. So again, that's another way for us to at least keep the relevance of those indigenous nations that have not received full recognition for their contributions in American history. All right. So that's what a Tiger Ball Collective's mission is. Yes. And then Maison Freetown. Is Maison Freetown still planning to open this weekend? So good question. You know, with anything, it takes a little time. So we've had to push it back. But it's it's still relevant that we're here today during Juneteenth because Freetown the neighborhood, the nationally historic registered neighborhood, um, is called Freetown because many of the African Americans sought that area after emancipation to live in because there was already a community of Africans, like free people of color living there. So uh, they found camaraderie and other people that, you know, looked like them, spoke French, um, and, and, and were very similar culturally um so we are very tied to the whole juneteenth you know emancipation uh story in that neighborhood so although we are not opening this weekend uh we will be opening a little later this year but we are working with some of the other organizations that are putting on events this weekend so um Southwest Louisiana Juneteenth organization move the mindset and a couple others we are kind of uh supporting their efforts Okay, so it's not opening this weekend, but you're you still on track to opening this year. Yes. Um, okay. The only thing that is opened is we're running an Airbnb upstairs. We've been booked for the last nine weekends. And really and truly, the Airbnb is what's supporting the programming and what will help to offset expenses for the exhibits in the museum. We don't have any federal funding, any state funding, any local funding. So hint, hint, if anybody <laughs> wants to join in and, uh, and, and contribute to a very amazing cause uh we welcome it but yeah that's kind of how we're keeping the lights on by running the airbnb so that part of the space is open so if you want to come and stay as a way to contribute to the museum people can definitely book us on airbnb and it's titled night at the museum so all right i got the uh mason freetown website pulled up i'm see if i can uh show that here I'd like to also say that, um, so the space, we are a nonprofit, True Friends Society, which was a historical group back in the 1800s that came together. They were neighborhood members who would do everything from thwarting lynchings and uprisings in the community because it was an ugly time and we're not shying away from even some of those stories in the museum but they came together as a group to help one another um they would pay for everything from fish fries or if you needed help with rent uh it was a very supportive group we've reactivated that historical group so it's a historical society that is managing maison freetown okay um before i go too far i want to go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsors Support for the podcast is brought to you by the Music Academy of Acadiana, Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, saxophone, flute, audio production, and more. They teach students of all ages and styles. They have sent students to college to compete in major music competitions and have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. They are founded by Tim Benson, who is a University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate. 
The Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won the National Music School of the Year Award in 2014. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. You can find out more at their website at www.musicacademyacadiana.com. You can also check out their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more information. Our tech sponsor, The Orchard, is Acadiana's only Apple-authorized service provider. They provide services for Apple products, whether it be a broken screen or if you need help trying to figure out an app, The Orchard has your back. They helped us by giving us an iPad to continue running our show since our show is dependent on Apple products. So with that, check out their stores. They got two locations in Acadiana, one next to Buffalo Wild Wings off of Ambassador in Lafayette, and at their new location in Karen Crow next to Super One Foods. You can check them out at theorchardstores.com or in person to make sure that all of your Apple products are taken care of and up and running and working as they should. I almost uh, admittedly forgot about mentioning the sponsors and we're like just a little over halfway through and I'm like, oh no. And so, coincidentally, my mom broke her phone yesterday and oh, that's where we were trying to get it fixed. So see, perfect spot. <laughs> all right. All right. So I got the, the, the website for... Um, the Mason Freetown pulled up, and so looking at it, you see the image of the the old That's house. Old, yes, the house. Um, it is a century old home. The mayor lived there. Um, it was owned by a Mouton family. Um. And we want to activate the space and, and want people to know that it is a space that is for the community. Um, it's not just a museum where you see pretty pictures on the wall, but we plan to have an active space where uh, there will be classes being taught, uh, painting. We've got a, a large uh, roster of creatives to pull from, especially from Attack Paw Collective, who are itching to teach their skill set to uh Younger kids, seniors, whomever wants to learn from jewelry making to art. Um, so it'll be a very active space. And I'm looking forward to the, to seeing that vibrancy of people coming in and out and, you know, spending time with us. Yeah. And so you can, uh, on the website, if you want to read more about Mason Freetown, you can check it out there. They have a, uh, a sign, a historical sign near the property that tells you about Freetown uh, they have their mission statement up there and their goal to be true friends and, uh, of course, the address and they have the email and all that stuff. So if you want to contact them or if you want to donate to the, the Mason Freetown um, initiative, there you go. You have that option as well. And then um, I also have the Attack of All Collective website. I'll pop that up right here. So, uh, again, you can check it out. Uh, basically, it's located right in downtown um, in the Gordon building, right? Which is also a historic building as well. And it's a nice little creative pocket. It's at the corner of East Vermilion, 100 East Vermilion and Jefferson Street, uh, right next to several other very creative uh business owners so we we kind of love it especially during art walk it's just a beautiful place it's a small cozy you know location but it's it's ours it's home and it's a great opportunity for handcraft artisans or creatives and small businesses to showcase their work in a brick and mortar space so if people who usually do pop-ups are getting tired of being out in the sun and <laughs> yeah. hoping somebody passes by their table they can showcase their work all month long in our shop and do they uh, do the artists have to be there to sell no, their stuff? No, we sell for them. We so do it's like the consignment? work for exactly. So they have their setup in the store. It's consignment, uh, and we have uh, staff that sell for them, so they can still go do a pop up if they choose or work their wow. nine to five. So they have an advocate in us, and and we also provide other resources as far as marketing for them. Uh, we connect them with other events uh, within the downtown town area and give them opportunities to showcase in places that they may not have had an opportunity to showcase their work. Um, so it's a great little space, as I mentioned, where we're supporting one another. 
Yeah. Yeah. Supporting one another. That, that was the main goal awesome. to give each other um, feedback and an opportunity to learn the business because it is a business. Even if you think of it as a hobby, I mean, I make jewelry because I enjoyed it and it was something to do while I wasn't singing. Um, but it's a business. Being a singer is a business. You're an entrepreneur. Um, whether you're, you know, in a band or creating jewelry or an artist, you have to know how to do the business side of it. So we try to teach that acumen to them as well. So y'all help teach business practices? Absolutely. We have workshops. We oh, have nice. We, a monthly newsletter that we keep in touch or give tips. We try to connect them to other opportunities where they can go and vend. So, yeah. We try to be a resource, and because we're connected to um, Accelerate Northside and the Lead Center, we have those resources as well. Um, so it's been great uh, to be able to have those kinds of resources, especially for some of our more novice um, artists. Uh, they, they come in, and they have a, a whole gamut of resources that they can pull from. I mean, we, t we even help them on how to price their, their uh, merchandise or their products. You know, one of the things that is so hard for an artist, because I, I resonate because I, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm an artist. I, I, I do graphic design. I do. I like to paint, but I don't paint. I don't sell paintings. But, you know, doing what I do, I feel like there's some artsiness to it. Um, yeah. And in the graphic design space, I struggled for the longest time. I've been doing it for over 10, maybe 15 years now. God. Oh, God, it's maybe longer <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm thinking time about flies. it. <laughs> I started doing it in 2005, so it's definitely been longer. Yeah. Oh God. Anyway, not gonna not gonna think about that. Um, I struggled for the longest time with pricing mm -hmm. what I do and valuing what yeah. you do. Yeah, because I would also think about like, oh, I'm I haven't been doing this long enough. Mm -hmm. I need to give pretty much give it away. And mm -hmm. in the beginning, maybe like to build up like a couple of clients, you you. You, you do stuff for free mm -hmm. just to kind of start getting your name out there. But like at a certain point you, you realize, okay, I can't just give away stuff for free because yeah. it's not going to work. Um, I want to get paid. Uh, that was a struggle for me as an artist to figure out what do I charge? Exactly. How do I charge? Like how do I convince someone who looks at what I do as just playing with mm -hmm. buttons on a computer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for example, or in, in making jewelry, like, oh, right. so oh, what, can do that. so <laughs> what, you just bend metal or you put beads on a string? Right. Like, I could do that. Right. Well, are, then go do it. If you don't want to pay for it here, then go do it. Exactly. Like, and, exactly. and that's the thing, like, some people don't, some people may not value your work, but you have to value Absolutely. your work. Absolutely. You hit it on the head. You so, got to value it. And there will be people that pay for your work. If you value your work, people will pay you for valuing your own work. It's weird to think about, but, uh, and also uh, a lot of people tend to have the, um, the imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. um, which leads back to not valuing, valuing yourself. Um, you feel like you're taking advantage of people by charging. For example, I charge anywhere from a hundred to $150 an hour, mm -hmm. give or take, you know, sometimes I, I ballpark it. Uh, for stuff that I do, for your services. With, yeah, for services and graphic design and all that, and I always like, like, am I, am I ripping people off? Like, mm. am, am I, am I being a fake? Like, am mm. I charging more than what I should? Like, it, 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 it's one of those things that kind of does hurt a little bit because you're like, you really need to be real with yourself. I'm like, where, where, how much should you charge? What, what's the market look like? What are people paying for what you do? Correct. And then do you charge less or more than that? Like it's, it's a weird thing. So you guys help with that? We help with that. We try to, if, if there's something, cause I will say we are still learning the, say the marketing space and social media space. Um, cause I grew up in a time we didn't have internet. Yeah. So we, we, if we don't know how to do it ourselves, we know where to go get the, the help and the resources to provide them. But yes, I mean, and that's, that's the part of point of being in the collective that we can support each other. And because there's so many in the collective, we've got counselors, people who professionally do other things besides, you know, make 
whatever their creative product is. So we've got a resource just within the collective of people who are strong in some of the areas that we may lack and vice versa. So that's the whole point of us coming together, pulling our resources together and helping one another. But yes, we definitely help with, with empowering the artists to know their worth and to be comfortable asking a price that values who they are and the time that they put into it. I mean, we learned that early on when we try to go get for get help for some of the social media and they're charging a thousand dollars for like a website package or like mm-hmm. and for us we are we are l3c so we are a low profit profitability business with a nonprofit arm so uh, the the co-op basically helps to pay and sustain the space that we're in so we didn't have a budget to to pay not saying that the social media uh, experts aren't um worthy of that price we just couldn't afford to do that but at no time did they flinch to say it's a thousand dollars because they know what it takes to put you out there and in front of people. So you got to know exactly what you're worth and know the time that you put into your business. So yeah, we try to teach them that as well to give them that confidence to say, this is my price. Now, if they want to barter or work out a deal with the customer that's on them, but they need to at least know what that costs to make. Okay. One of the things that, uh, uh, being a business owner, that was the most daunting thing for me is basically legitimizing yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So developing Lafayette has an LLC. I personally did not file that LLC because I had no clue how to do that. (laughs) Uh, I got business partners that knew how to do that. They helped with that. So they legitimized developing Lafayette. It's It's technically developing Louisiana LLC, with a trade name, Developing Lafayette. We also have trade name, Developing Lake Charles, stuff like that. Nice. Um, Smart. So they helped with that. And um, I also have side stuff that I do. Yeah, believe it or not, I, I on top of doing Developing Lafayette, this podcast, and uh, all the other stuff, I have side stuff that I do. And um, I said, you know what? I need to... The, the word legitimize kept mm-hmm. popping into my head. Mm-hmm. Like my business partners, whenever we first got together, the word legitimize kept popping up. Like, I mean, legitimize myself. Like, how do I do that? And that's getting an LLC or something to that effect. I'm like, because if you could, you could technically sell under your name, like as a person right. and doing business as. So proprietorship, yep. Right. And I've done that before, like many years ago with graphic design, but I realized that. I, with my business partner's advice and all that, that you're basically unshielded from Mm -hmm. potential litigation for whatever reason that would be. And your personal assets are there for the taking if somebody were to try try to do something. Something, And the world is too happy. So you just never know. And so with an LLC, you have some sort of a barrier. Like if you're a for a for profit company like an LLC, and I think even nonprofits have an LLC, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it's an LLC. Yeah. So I went online, and I was googling like okay, like create LLC, like uh, different companies that do that, and there's a bunch. Um, one of them, the the most notable one you probably heard about is LegalZoom. Yes. Um, but they were expensive, and getting an LLC. If you file it through an attorney, especially locally, it can cost you a lot, sometimes almost $1,000 or more. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I stumbled across a website, and I'm not going to mention it because this is not a plug for them, but it was pretty affordable, and I got an LLC. I got an uh, EIN number with the federal tax, and I paid about $200. And it's, I think it's $200 every year just to keep it up because you get a registered agent because mm-hmm. with a registered agent, if you, if you put yourself as a registered agent, you get all the, the, the mail and mm-hmm. the junk calls the and spam. all this stuff, the spam. <laughs> so if you have a registered agent, that's not you, they get it first and right. then they will give it to you if, the, if it's important, especially litigation papers, Smart. they'll get it first. Uh, so every year you pay for that and you have your registered agent and all that good stuff. But that's something that coming out of high school or even college, they, you don't always know that. Right. Like, so what do you do with a registered agent? Should you be the registered agent? Should, should you hire someone? Uh, and then filing for an EIN number, that apparently is not the easiest thing to do. 
going through the state to get your LLC is not mm-hmm. the easiest thing to do. There's a lot of weird verbiage that you got to select. And you can go to the Secretary of State's website and file an LLC, but they ask you a bunch of questions that I didn't even understand. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't want to screw up. Right. So I would have loved in high school or I didn't, t- I didn't go to college, but even in high school, like I would have loved there for there to be a class mm-hmm. of how to create a business. Cause mm-hmm. I, in, in high, in high school, I was constantly bombarded with uh, the words entrepreneur, like this and that, like being a business owner, federal business, uh, administ- federal FBLA, is it? God, I forget, not federal business, uh, future business owners of America, whatever it was. I was a part of that, but I didn't feel like I was taught how right. to start a business. Exactly. I was taught how to like maybe run one. But and I was you like, figure it out along the way. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Starting one, is <laughs> a, you, you get you a lot of bumps many, and bruises. Exactly. Mistakes. Along and so the way. I think that's amazing that you guys will help business owners. I don't know if you go well, that deep. I well, know there we are, do. And I will say that um, we were very fortunate as, uh, so I say we, I have a business partner, Kimberly Abity Moore. She is uh, also my cousin. And in eighth grade, we always wanted to have a shop together. She loved to make um sketches uh and i loved fashion she loved fashion as well we would make clothing um so we would like take old jeans and redesign them our first line was called malabadies because my maiden name is malasa and she was abity so malabity um so we always had that dream but you know life happened and some 30 years later we found ourselves in a class uh, which was sponsored by LEAD and the Black Chamber of Commerce called Accelerate Northside. And um, we were lucky to learn a lot of that type of um, those skills that you were mentioning, how to start your LLC, how to market your business, how to do a budget, how to write a business plan. Um, and, and prior to that, I'd also uh, participated in a another class with Corey Jack and associates and oh, Corey's Tina, a great guy, yeah. yes. Um, at Macomb visa, Tina, uh, Shelvin yep. Bingham ran a cl- uh, entrepreneurial class as well. And I will say, uh, it, it was very helpful, especially when it came time to budgeting and QuickBooks and paying taxes. Um, they were very hands-on. So the Accelerate Northside was just an added layer of that learning. And so Kim and I kind of took what we learned from those different entities, and we've incorporated it into our business. So even if those individuals that are part of a Tacopaw Collective may not have gone to some of these classes, we give them assistance and tips on you need to go do this. You need to do that, you know, because of the, the, the teachings and learnings that we learned from these classes. Oh man. So yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we still pull from those resources when we have questions. Um, and, and they've been a great resource, a great resource to us. Yeah. I think that, um, that should be something that's taught more readily Mm -hmm. because that, that right there. And I'm, I'm so glad like people like Tina and Corey are out there are, are, are helping with that because, uh, I had Tino on several months ago. Yes, because she's also part of the collective. Yeah. She has a tea line. Yeah. She also does pop-ups as well. She does a lot. She does farmer's markets as well. So she's in that space, and she knows it very well, how difficult it is to create an atmosphere for entrepreneurs and, you know, budding small businesses. So, yeah. 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 And so she was on. She Y'all had tea? Uh, <laughs> Did we, y'all have her tea? We didn't have tea on here, oh. but she did talk about her tea, of course. Awesome. Um, tea on the tea. I know, right? <laughs> I, I used to, I used to bring tea. Yeah, on, in the jug, right? In like the jug. Tea. You know what? Um, that was whenever I had my podcast scheduled at two thirty in the afternoon. Uh-huh. I was able to go to a place because they were open for lunch and I would just go grab a gallon and yep. bring it and I and I would rip literally rip the logo off of the jug because <laughs> they didn't sponsor I me. I think I knew where it was. <laughs> yeah, you know, some places. I recognize that jug. Some places you can recognize the jug, but I would rip the logo right off because, uh-huh. you know, if they don't want to sponsor, I don't want to show who it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, we're, we're trying to work on a tea sponsor, but, it, you know, we're asking a price mm-hmm. that a lot of people may may have a sticker shock on. Right. So right. again, um, value. Yeah, and I feel like I, I feel like it's valuable. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm doing something, and you I like are. I like doing this. So. And I will say, for the nosy, inquisitive person <laughs> like myself, I love going on your website to see, you know. Why are they breaking ground? What is this? You know, it's 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 great to have that resource to go find I out. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I need to do better at what I do. Uh, You're doing a great uh, job. Look, I know you say I know. You I are. Like, 
for me, I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I'm slacking. So there are a few things that uh, that I need to catch up on. Well, from this end, you're doing great. That's amazing. Yeah. I and I and I, I'm glad that it looks like that because yeah. uh, you're always your own worst Absolutely. critic. Absolutely. So I feel like I could do better at what I do. Absolutely. And so, um, even but, in the store, we're learning that we didn't know everything, and we had a good start, but you kind of learn as you go. And mm-hmm. and on the job training, I feel is like the best training. You can oh ever yeah, because. That is like the hard hitting stuff right there. Like you can be taught on, from a book, book all day come long, on now. but when you go to apply yep. that knowledge, it's uh, it's hard. It's very hard. Absolutely. So uh, we're about uh, almost an hour already. I know. Yeah, I love talking with you. I appreciate it. Guys. I love talking with you too. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about or elaborate more on that you would like to touch? I would just like to touch on the fact that Louisiana, especially this area, has a lot of wonderful talent and creatives. And I I always support our creatives because that's kind of the space that I work in. But not necessarily has to be creative. But I would just say that I I would like to see more people kind of venturing out in spaces that they are are uncomfortable going in because you can learn so much about other people, but it, it teaches you so much more about yourself. So self-discovery through learning about other people is important, I feel. And so I would just challenge your listeners uh, or those watching to just maybe try something that you've never tried before because you might be pleasantly surprised. Awesome. Awesome. That is a great thing. And I think uh, you hit it right on the head, mine, because there's times where uh, I feel like I want to go somewhere, but I'm like, you know what? I, I feel like I might be uncomfortable going there. And I'm going to shout out this one place because I've never been there. And this is one thing that I've been wanting to go to or at least try. And I don't know why I feel uncomfortable, but it's because it's a new place. Mm-hmm. Is uh, I think it's a Cafe Habana. Okay. You want me to go with you? Maybe one day. Let's make a date. Okay. So it's right off of Bertrand. Mm-hmm. And Cuban restaurant, yeah, it's correct? Cuban, and it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. I hear people talking about it, and they've mm-hmm. been in business for years, yes. and that tells you something. Mm-hmm. It's got to be good. Yep. And so, um, I, I I would like to highlight that owner, but I'm like, you know, just just not knowing. It's the unknown for the me, unknown. and and I'm a I'm pretty usual. I'm you know, it may not seem like it. I'm a I'm kind of a, a shy, mm-hmm. reserved guy. Mm. So going up to someone. Um, even though I, I might appear to be confident, uh-huh. uh, I'm screaming on the inside. You're an extroverted introvert. Yes, I am. And my wife, she can't stand it. She's an introvert, but she's like, she's like, oh, you're, you say you're an introvert. You say you're shy, but you're not. You're always talking to people. I'm like, but I'm screaming on the inside. Right, but you're overcoming that. Yeah, and that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> like and look, I, I am like, I, because I, there are businesses that I want to go into. And I want to talk to the business owner or like, for example, if I'm going to try to discover what's breaking ground and there's like construction workers on the ground, I want to go up to those people and say, hey, what y'all doing? What you guys are doing. (laughs) But my inside is going, don't do it. You're going to get shut down. Like, that's why in high school, I hardly ever had a girlfriend. I I was afraid of rejection. I didn't want to go up to this person and (laughs) say, hey, would you like to go out? Like I, I, I would scream on the inside. So I'm as an adult, I'm learning that. Right. Um, I've had, I've had a lot of missed opportunities in my life. Mm. And if, if I don't break down that barrier, yes. even though I'm going to be screaming on the inside, if Come I don't on. break down that barrier, I don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. If I don't take that missed that opportunity. Chance. Yes. Missed and connection. You yeah. Don't want that. No. And so I, I, go up to these people. I go up to a random person that I, I, I know I need to talk to, but I am, I'm yelling. I'm screaming on the inside screen. I'm basically trying to pull myself back, yeah. but going forward at the same time. It's That's so beautiful. weird. It's okay. So I, but cafe Habana was one of those places. I'm like, I drive by and I'm like, I need to pull into there, but I'm you like, eh, maybe not today. You should. Then maybe yeah. they're your next guest. Who maybe, knows? maybe. And I'd love that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll set a date. We'll, we'll check it out. Yeah, Cause um, I love to eat. So let me know. <laughs> and then I'll invite, uh, I'll invite Drew, my sales rep and uh, we'll uh, go have, uh, lunch there or a, something a, a business lunch yes yeah, a business lunch exactly well Tax thank right you off. thank you th- hello <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for having me on and we appreciate uh just your time 
Awesome, Erica. Yeah. Well, I loved having you on too, and I appreciate um, the the ease of conversation whenever diversity and race came up. Because mm-hmm. I Absolutely. felt like that's something important to talk about when you touch on diversity. It's it's the 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 the, the topic of race would almost inevitably come up in any conversation. So I figured that I would bring that in and I wanted to let people know that from your perspective mm-hmm. of what you thought. And um, I think South Louisiana is so diverse because we had a large, large demographic of black people here from the past and the history and you know, all that. All, yeah, yes. There were probably more blacks than right, there were whites, right. especially on certain plantations and exactly. things like that. So yeah, so, there was a ton. The melting pot and just uh, all that good stuff. And I feel like uh, over the years and continuing into the the future that Louisiana, South Louisiana specifically, Mm -hmm. will be probably the most culturally diverse place in the world. Exactly. and, and it's probably going to be all centered around food. Exactly. <laughs> food and music. Exactly. Hopefully. Gosh. And we have the, the one of the world's largest free festivals for music. So, yes, and that, I see that you're in, wearing the Yeah, the I shirt. got my Festival International. You're a Paran, yeah. Festival Paran. All right. Well, well thank Erica. Thank you so much again. Great to have you on. And uh, guys, if you're listening, thank you. Um, you can check out the audio version on um, probably next week I'll have, I have a, a couple to edit. I have this one and I think one or two more. So be on the lookout for that. If you'd rather, uh, listen to this in your car or while you're at work and you can't watch a video, I totally understand. And I get that. So, uh, with that, um, y'all have a great weekend and enjoy your Friday and Erica again. Thank you very much. All right, guys. And that is-